please stand for the reading of the scripture today, which is taken from John 16, verses 17 through 33. At this time, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you seeking one another? Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I'll ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to ask any questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, It's wonderful to see each of you. Some of you I'm seeing for the first time since uh, Snowmageddon 2. And uh, I know that many of you have long driveways like I do. Uh, Many were without power for some time, some uh, ran down the hill, uh, not up to the hill, uh, down the hill to stay with family and friends to, uh, to get out of this for a few days, and I do not, uh, I understand why. It was a challenge. And so uh, it's just great to be together and worship, and if you're with us online, we want to welcome you and glad you could connect uh, that way. This morning, as we're in this passage in John, as we're getting to the precipice of Jesus' uh, arrest, betrayal, uh, ultimately death and and resurrection, Easter's coming, we look at a passage that's really pivotal in the New Testament and what it has to say about Jesus's life and mission, the impact on his followers and how he's going to strengthen them and sustain them 
on their journey and as they seek to fulfill God's mission. And I want to put it in this context. I want to ask you, what is it that most you know, challenges you right now? What is it that you might feel anxious about, worried about, concerned about? What is it that you wonder whether you are going to make it through or not? There are things that we go through in life and we wonder how God is going to enable us to see through those things. What is it and how is it that he's going to come alongside us and strengthen us and sustain us to see us through that difficult part of our journey? Well, for the disciples, obviously, there was a very unique context. They were about to go through the darkest time and period they could possibly imagine and even beyond. But Jesus wants to tell them that in this passage and through this passage that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope that is coming and you will overcome this time because I have overcome. And this leads to our foundational truth this morning. That's simply this. Because Jesus overcame the world, we can know and share that he can enable us to overcome the world also. Let me say that again. Because Jesus overcame the world, we can know and share that he can enable us to overcome the world also. As I started with, John 16 is a significant passage in the New Testament because it highlights the teachings of Jesus to his disciples before his imminent departure. And what he's telling them in this section is that the soon-to-come departure that will lead to their sense of grief and loss is going to have a tremendous impact on his disciples. But he wants to assure them that those challenges come in the context of his ultimate overcoming and his ultimate victory. Jesus knows what his disciples are about to go through. We've already seen in John that he tells us that Judas is going to betray him, Peter's going to deny him, and the rest are going to scatter as we find here. But even in the midst of what he knows they are about to face, the challenges they're going to face, and the impact on them, Jesus wants them to know that ultimately because of his resurrection, he's going to overcome the world in in that, and he will enable us to overcome the world. You see, those who follow Jesus are not shielded from life's deeper problems. This is not an, an, a get-out-of-trouble you know, card that Jesus is giving. He's not telling them that because you follow me, you will not face trouble. No, he says they will face flipsis in the Greek, trouble, pressure, challenges, and in fact, even more so in a way because they follow Jesus. But even more in terms of the trouble and challenge they'll experience, the the heartache, the rejection, the sorrow that they were on the precipice of would not overwhelm them if they allowed Jesus' victory to empower them. We see our loved ones die. We see relationships that fall into conflict and fail. Sometimes our children go their own way rather than God's way. We face tremendous challenges as well. What marks a Christ follower is not so much the absence of difficulty, but the presence of Christ in the midst of the difficulties that empowers us and strengthens us and sees us through them. And so in these last moments, Jesus warned his disciples about their further persecution, what they're going to face at the hands of Roman soldiers and Jewish religious authorities. 
He tells them where and when and why he is going, and he assures them that they will not be alone. The Spirit is going to come, and the Spirit is going to walk with them through those things to make sure that they ultimately, ultimately arrive safely home also with Jesus. You see, Jesus wants us to know that as he will go away, the Holy Spirit will come. And this is true for us too. Just as that promise was made to his first followers, we can know and trust that all those who have welcomed and accepted Jesus have the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And in and through that, you have the seed of the fulfillment of a promise that Jesus is with you now. He will walk with you with whatever you're going through and he will lead you back to him or back to the Father through him. And because of that, you ultimately have nothing to fear. We know the Holy Spirit is known as the great comforter and counselor. Jesus is with us through the power of the Holy Spirit in whatever we're going through so that we do not have to ultimately be afraid. Here's what Jesus shares with his disciples. Three specific things. One, in a little while you will see me no more, he says. Then after a little while you will see me. And then you will weep and mourn, but your grief will turn to joy. Let's unpack those three promises. Jesus says, in a little while you will see me no more. And most commentators believe he's talking about his impending death in the three days between his death and and resurrection. There was going to be an impending period of time where where they will be struck by his absence. And it is going to be agonizing. But there's hope. In a little while, you will see me again. And the first fulfillment of this passage and this promise is that Jesus would rise again three days later on Easter Sunday. He's going to show up again. He's going to appear to them in his resurrected presence and give them assurance that death does not have the last word, but he does in his victory over death and in his resurrection. There's going to be a little while for those disciples where fear and worry and concern that, that Jesus had died, that, that it had all come to an end, and that what they had hoped for was lost. And they experienced that sting for an agonizing few days. Some of you have experienced that sting over a longer period of time. And what I mean by that is you've gone through a period of time in your life where you have wondered where God is And you have maybe even questioned whether it was ever worth following him in the first place. I've had those moments. I've had those days where in the darkness of loss, in the difficulty of ministry, whatever it is, whatever challenge there's been, you know, there's that cry out to God, where are you? And what are you up to right now? Just remember that if you've made that cry, if you've had, you've prayed that kind of prayer before, you are in very good company. For a good part of the Psalms are spent in the Psalms of Lament, those heartfelt cries to God of worry and wondering where he is and what he is up to. The good thing is, if you look at the Psalms, there's only one Psalm, Psalm 88, that has no resolution at all. Psalm 88 is a Psalm of Lament where the person who prays it is still at this at loose ends by the end of it. They're still wondering, okay, God, I'm still crying out to you and I'm still not seeing your deliverance. Every other psalm of lament comes to a place of, 
of new resolution, of a place of reorientation and relationship with God because the person who prayed comes to a sense of comfort in God, some sense of resolution of whatever it was that was worrying them or concerning them. God is at work in those ways. In those moments where we're wondering, perhaps most recently, how long, Lord, is it going to be before my power is restored? <laughs> how long, Lord, is it going to be before my driveway is plowed and I can actually get back to civilization again? But there's other wonderings. How long, O oh Lord, till I get the test results and the worry and concern about a, a, a poor diagnosis is, is resolved? How long, O oh Lord, am I going to agonize over that child who has wandered away from the Lord and I so long to see them come back to him? How long, O oh Lord, is, is the present difficulty going to be something I have to walk through? And I know for many of you, it has not felt like a little while. It's felt like a long while where you're facing that challenge and that difficulty and you wonder when and how God is going to show up. For the disciples, there was a little while of worry, fear, concern, wondering what God was up to and how the mission of God that they thought they were a part of was, could possibly be resolved after Jesus' death. And yet, in a little while, or after a little while, they saw him. They saw him in resurrected form, and their hopes and dreams were fulfilled. And what I want to encourage you with is, in, in various ways, shapes, and forms, even on earth, I want you to trust that after a little while, you're going to see God. You're going to see him show up. You're going to see him answer those prayers. You're going to see him meet you with new hope and, and for living and new encouragement. God does answer prayer. And in the context of our present struggles, Scripture tells us that they're actually light and momentary compared to the surpassing greatness and glory of God that is to come. You know, other commentators believe, and I think both are true. Jesus is saying, when he says, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, it had both an imminent application for the disciples there was a little while where they did not see him because of his death, and then in a little while they saw him because of his resurrection. But then I also believe there's this telescoping of that initial uh, application, but the ultimate application that Jesus is saying, in a, while, in a little while, you're not going to see me. He, he rises from the dead. He ascends into heaven. We do not see his physical presence now. But after a little while, we're going to see him. He's going to return again. And what he's telling us is that ultimately, in light of eternity, that time frame of Christ's ascension into heaven and his second coming and return and ultimately setting all things right is only a little while compared to the eternity we're going to experience with God. Josh ran two races in uh, Dublin yesterday, and it's, it's the largest like a track meet for distance runners uh, in the country, actually. And they set a new world record. They, 411 kids ran a sub-five mile yesterday, and it broke a world record. Josh ran a 440 and was part of, you know, that, that group. Okay? But there was a point in time where, you know, he com he's coming into his second race, and he's like, Dad, I don't think I have anything to give this race. 
I, don't, I have no chance of doing well. I'm running against guys that are all, they're all good runners, and I just don't think I have it in me to give. And I said, son, just run as fast as you can for two minutes. <laughs> because an 800 takes him about two minutes and five seconds. And I just said, just do the best you can for two minutes. And he did, and he set a new record for himself. There are things that for us feel insurmountable on the front of them. We do not want to go through them, and we wonder how God is going to possibly enable us to overcome those challenges. But in the scope of eternity, those challenges are light and momentary compared to the glory we're going to experience. Jesus says, you will weep and mourn, but your grief will turn to joy. And I just want to say here, he does not make light of their grief and their sadness. He is saying, there's going to be real pain. There's going to be real dissonance in your relationship with me for a while. And you and I know that pain of of the dark nights of our soul. um, St. John of the Cross talks about them. Those times where there is just dissonance lack of understanding in our relationship with God that causes us to wonder. And he says, you're going to weep and mourn. There is going to be a time of sadness. And so Jesus is not uh, undercutting what they're going to go through. He is not making light of the pain and sorrow they're about to experience. And I do not believe that Jesus makes light of our challenges. He names them and points to them and, and, and honors them. And I think even in his own life and death, he knows. He's been there. He's experienced those things. And in his experience of those things, he knows how hard they are. He knows the difficulty of departures. He knows the grief and sadness of loss. We saw that when he encountered the the death of Lazarus. Remember, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He did not say, ah, it's okay. I'm going to take care. No, he wept in bitterness and sadness over the power of death at that moment. But then he overcame it in lifting Lazarus up from the dead. Jesus says, well, I'm going, I'm going to tell you a solemn truth. You will weep and wail by, while the world will celebrate. But you will overcome with sorrow. It will be overcome with the sorrow because your sorrow will be turned into joy. Jesus is saying there's going to be a time of seeming separation, pain and sorrow and difficulty. And it will look like the world has won. And for those few days... Between his death and resurrection, it really looked like the world had won. People who saw him as the enemy, people who saw him as crazy and a madman, thought they had done away with him, thought they had defeated him. But Jesus had the last word. And Jesus overcame the power of death. And in what we're facing today as followers of Jesus and the difficulty of the mission of making him known in this world, Jesus also meets us where we are. And in those times where it seems like the world is winning, and our mission and our call to make disciples is, is struggling, Jesus says, you will, be, you will overcome. The sorrow you know now will be defeated in and through my death and resurrection there is eternal hope for you and therefore your present sorrows do not have the last word because death will be defeated and by contrast where the world felt victorious in defeating death ultimately the world is going to you know 
be defeated in terms of its missions and designs as squelching God's mission and designs. Jesus says your grief will turn to joy. Your sorrow will be overcome. The sense of bereavement at his departure that the disciples experienced that caused anguish and apprehension would ultimately be overcome on Easter in the joy of uninterrupted fellowship with Jesus through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit now and that inbreaking of new joy that no one can take away from them or deprive them of that will ultimately enable them to forget the nightmares of those hours and those few days will ultimately lead to this place of deeper joy and further fellowship because he was there in resurrected form and he is here now through the power of the Holy Spirit present with us. Similar then in this passage, and uh, like Paul in Romans 8, Jesus uses uh, the image of giving birth to express what is going to happen. And he invites his followers and prepare, to prepare them for the sorrow that is ahead, but also speaks to the subsequent lasting joy that is modeled on the sorrow and joy of a woman giving uh, birth and the labor and pain they go through But the joy and fullness they feel within moments, assuming that child is born with reasonable health. There's deep contentment. Just look at this sweet woman here. Beth doesn't usually like me to show pictures of her, but she says, you can show that one. Because I've never seen my wife smile that big. And part of that was the sorrow and challenge of the birth of our first two children. They were complicated. Kylie was born with disabilities. Josh was three pounds, three ounces. There was worry, concern. And then we're given this eight pound, two ounce titan of, you know, terror in Levi. Little did we know what we were getting into from the start. And there was just radiant joy. The pain of the, the, the experience of him being brought into the world was just totally overcome by the joy of holding this precious child and knowing that he had come safely into the world. And there was joy and hope. And Jesus wants you to know that that can be your experience. It was the disciples' experience in the moment, but can be yours also. That whatever pain and sorrow you're going through, like a birth experience, and I don't claim to know what that's like. I once tried to make an argument that my passing of two kidney stones... So I heard, you know, I was, and I was with like five women. It was the dumbest thing I was doing. It was all the administrative staff of the church in Santa Rosa. And one was talking about their birth. And I'm like, you know, I heard that passing a kidney stone is worse. And I've passed that a couple times. And they're like, dude, shut up. Just like, go away. Do not even talk about it unless you've experienced it. Well, some of you are feeling like, man, my pain and sorrow... Like a kidney stone, like giving birth, it's worse than whatever somebody else is going through. Because that's your pain and sorrow. That's your hardship. And nobody's been through it. And nobody is you and knowing how you related to that. But Jesus wants you to know that there's joy on the other side of that. Because there was joy on the other side of his death. There was joy in his resurrection. And that resurrection joy can be ours in the midst of what we're going through because it will not last. It will one day come to an end in in, in the wealth of uh, 
what Jesus has, has done for us in his death and, and what we're going to experience in heaven. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, but I have to go. Just as I, I left the Father's house and I came and lived among you, I'm going to be with the Father, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And, and he says, therefore, to now you have sorrow, but you will see me again. And he showed up and resurrected for him, and they're going to rejoice. And nobody could take that joy away from them. There's going to be a lasting joy, and there is a lasting joy, knowing that, like giving birth, there is pain and sorrow now, but there's going to be fulfillment. There's going to be comfort. There's going to be joy of grasping the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose. Jesus then says, they, the disciples, will experience enduring, complete joy. It will be given whatever they ask in order to fulfill the mission of God. And they will understand what Jesus meant in the near future. Jesus says, no one can take away our joy. Friends, whatever trials, challenges you're going through at present, those things will be overcome by Jesus. They do not have the last word. That's not what's going to be final in our life. What Jesus has to offer is what is final and full. No one can take away your joy. And don't allow them to. In the moment, you know, challenges we're going through feel like everything. A difficult relationship where you're, you're trying to resolve differences. It can feel overwhelming. But in the midst of what you're ever facing today, know that, again, those problems are going to be are temporary. And, and Jesus is ultimately going to lead us through. Know that we, can, we will experience enduring, complete joy. We can experience that now. It's not just a future hope, but we allow the future hope of heaven and, and, and rest in Jesus and unity and intimacy with Jesus then to speak into our lives now, and we can presently experience a full and abundant life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't ask us to wait. He wants us to grasp that now. Remember the vine and the branches from last week. Allow the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit to invade and permeate your life now. Don't wait. Rejoice in him. Enable him to meet you in your griefs and sorrows and losses so that whatever challenges you're going through right now don't overwhelm you, but you're able to reach deep into Jesus and the reservoir of the Holy Spirit and rest in him and overcome whatever you're going through. And part of that process is, is through prayer. John 16, 4, Until you now you have not asked for anything in my name, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I believe that that process of sorrow to joy is not only in experiencing you know, the end of whatever is hurting us or whatever we're struggling with right now, but I actually believe that the asking and the praying is part of that process. And it's back to the Psalms of lament. As we're crying out to God over whatever we're going through right now, we start to see and experience his presence. We start to experience the relief of that sorrow and sadness. And that praying is part of the process of moving from sorrow to joy. Just look at the Psalms. And yes, the joy is ultimately found in answered prayer. Answered prayer is like no other in terms of giving us joy because when God answers a prayer so fully and completely, we know that we know that we know that God is real and he is there for us and we can turn to him at any time. 
So there's a shift from sorrow to joy through praying and through offering that up and allowing the burden to be lifted from our shoulders and, and, and placed where it should be on Jesus. But there's also then the joy of answered prayer and the experience of fulfillment and knowing that God is at work above and beyond our, what we would ask or imagine, Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, so that we can experience his enduring love and we can experience the joy of answered prayer. Friends, answered prayer is the key to the fulfillment of God's mission. Answered prayer and, and giving that to God and allowing him to strengthen us is what will sustain us through the journey of life. And it's knowing that he has the power and ability to answer our prayers that can give us hope and comfort in our darkest times. Jesus says a time is coming when you will no longer use this kind of language um, or you will no longer ask for me for anything. And what he means by that is we can ask, you know, go to God directly because of Jesus. And we can know that we have access to God because Jesus has been the way and is the way is the way and leads us to that intimate relationship with the loving father and when he answers our prayers when he celebrates us when when he when we when he he shows up in a way that we're hoping for we then know that we know that we know again that god is real and it also relates to our answering of questions not only our answering of prayers but we're told here that we will understand what jesus meant in other words, at one point, the disciples say, now we understand. And I don't think they did still. You know, they said, oh, now you're speaking plainly. Now we get it. And Jesus is probably saying, about time. And he's probably thinking, no, you don't. Because they're going to be thrown into utter confusion in the days ahead. But there was a sense of understanding there, of grasping at a deeper level what Jesus was saying. And you know what? Because of God's answer through Jesus and his victory over death, our wondering questions will ultimately be resolved. One day those questions and wrestling questions of faith, we don't understand, help us understand, those are going to be resolved in Jesus' presence. Because we're going to see him in resurrected presence in heaven one day, and it's going to be like, okay, all that didn't matter. You overcome. I'm here with you. We're okay. And all of us have wrestling questions, those wondering times, searching, wrestling with what we're presently going through. But what Jesus is saying is that if you really understand that I am going to the Father in that place of victory, I'm going home, and I'm going to take you to be where I am, then all of our wondering questions can be overwhelmed by the power and grace and love of God. And Jesus said it's because I'm answering prayer, telling him I don't ask for anything, ask him my name, and it also is because the Father loves you. Because the Father loves you. He loves you, friends. And whatever you might be facing right now that might cause you to question his love, my encouragement is just receive that love anew and afresh and allow that to, to resolve those wrestling questions and to let go of them in him. Jesus then goes on to say, you will find encouragement in his overcoming the world. But he says a couple of things here, and we'll wrap up with this. The first is, it is going to get worse before it gets better. And we just need to know that. It got worse before it got better for the disciples. 
They had to go through the trial and travail of his death before they were going to experience his resurrection. And there are some things in the mystery of God's sovereignty, plan, and fullness that we have to go through. And friends, man, I wish there are things that I didn't have to go through. And there are things that I wish you didn't have to go through. But in God's plan and purpose, there are things that God is, in, is, is allowing in your life for you to go through so that you can experience his fullness and so that you will turn to him in deeper ways. And I don't need to tell you this, but I will remind you this. The world is going to get worse before it gets better. Read Revelation. And we're seeing it in front of us. At whatever speed, in whatever place we're in, in God's unfolding plan and purpose, we see wars, we see earthquakes, we see all the signs of his imminent return. And so did generations before us, and maybe generations after us. But, but in those times, we need to know, yeah, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But it's going to get better. There's a day where it's all going to be resolved. And that's our hope. And in Jesus, because of that, he tells us we can have peace in the present. He gives us peace. He says, I do not give as the world gives. Jesus doesn't give momentary peace. It's not just the, you know, the resolution of a conflict and then there's going to be other things tomorrow. It's not just peace in the moment, but just as he is lasting and he is eternal now, because of his resurrection, his peace will be ongoing. And his peace is one that it can be a present experience for us. Because, not, not suggesting our emotions aren't valid, not suggesting that the issues we're going through right now aren't challenging our peace. He says, you will have peace as a present experience because you can take heart and because he's overcome the world. Hear those words, friends. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me say it again. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says that to the disciples. He wants us to know that in a, in a full, rich, eternal way. But I believe he also wants us to hear that in the here and now. And I want to lead us into a moment of prayer. And I, you know, the words, we shall overcome from Martin Luther King Jr. and the great hymns uh, ring in my ears as we do this. But I want to lead us into a time of prayer. And I want you to think through whatever it is that might be overwhelming you right now, whatever hardship, whatever hurt is there, I want you to hear Jesus' words for you today. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. The race you're running right now is not going to go on forever. Ultimately, you're going to cross that finish line and cross the tape, and, and, and Jesus' victory is going to overwhelm whatever present sorrow, hardship, or challenge we're going through. And if it would help you to name that in prayer, please do. But I'm going to invite you, when you hear me, to to just echo that phrase. I'm going to invite Dave, put the take heart, I've overcome the world, back on, so we have it. When you hear me speak after an initial prayer, I want you to join me and just echo this promise. So let's practice it. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray.
Lord, in the midst of all that troubles us, we hear your promise. Take heart. I have overcome the world. As we continue in prayer in silence or out loud, if anyone feels the need to, help us to hear that promise. In the midst of illnesses, sorrows, challenges, loss that people are going through. Take heart, I have overcome the world. In the midst of all we've been through in the last few weeks with weather, power outages, storms that have displaced some, and the challenge of so much snow, may we hear your promise. Take heart. I have overcome the world. In the midst of what overwhelms us about what's happening in the world with wars and rumors of wars, with earthquakes and storms and hurricanes, pray we would hear your word. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Every time I try to make it on my own time I try to stand, I start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on It was Jesus When this life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. It was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know it I couldn't see it There was Jesus There was Jesus For this man who needs amazing kind of grace Forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect so I thank God every day There was Jesus There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment Where I've been, where I'm going Even though I didn't know it, I couldn't see it There was Jesus on the mountain, in the valleys There was Jesus 
in the shadows, in the alleys. There was Jesus in the fire, in the flood. There was Jesus, always is and always was. No, I never walked alone. You were always there. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, and the hurting, like a blessed and buried in the broken Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even though I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There was Jesus.